Hey guys, my name is Mavi and I've spent the last 14 years in the plastic surgery and beauty industry, working alongside top board certified plastic surgeons. Now I'm an independent patient coordinator who doesn't work for any surgeon. This means I have unbiased reviews for hundreds of doctors and I can help you achieve the look of your dreams, whether that's a supernatural or a video vixen. I use my professional and personal plastic surgery experience to help you look and feel your best. Join in on the fun as I talk to plastic surgery experts, friends, and real-life patients about all things plastic surgery. Should be fun. Hey guys, do I have the episode for you today? I have Kylie from Nutrition.PlasticSurgery over on Instagram here with me today. And I quickly had to plug in my phone because we were starting to have those conversations that I tell y'all about that we get on these amazing conversations. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I had plugged up my phone. Well, not today. Today, I plugged up my phone and we're going to talk so much about so many things, but mainly about what to eat, nutrition around plastic surgeries. I mean, it's so much. Kylie, come in. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm so glad to be here. But yeah, we could probably talk about this for hours because the topic is very broad. But we're going to narrow it down and we're going to give you guys some nuggets. So it'll be... It'll be great. It'll be great. I'm excited. So something that Kylie and I were talking about right before I plugged in my phone was me and her putting ourselves out there in order to create this content, to create the, you know, the info, give the information that we feel is so important to help our girls and how we understand, like, I understand the mental battles that you have to go through, like in order to put yourself first and start doing these things for yourself. And every day I'm having to have a battle with myself to put myself out there, continue to push myself and put myself out there, even when I'm afraid and do it afraid. Y'all don't know, but I mean, y'all might know. I don't like to hear the sound of my voice. <laughs> You would be surprised because I, have I don't a like what I look like on video. So <laughs> it's like, you don't like your voice. I don't like my video. So it's two peas in a pod. Yeah. I don't like why I don't like the sound of my voice, like on audio. Like I hate hearing playback of my voice. So I try not to listen to my episodes unless I absolutely have to. So I send them off to, edit, to editing and they edit it and they listen to it. And they like, she knows I don't listen to them because I cringe. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, how embarrassing. I can't believe people listen to me. <laughs> well, you had this post that you put in your stories and it was this doctor who was having a drink with another girl. And he was, you know, basically giving her giving her plastic surgery in his head. You know, he was like breaking down. Her. And I thought to myself, I do that to myself. You know, the more that I look at myself in video, I'm like, oh, man. I could probably change my chin a little bit. I can make my cheeks a little bit different, you know? And it's just like, we do it to ourselves. I don't think I really do it too much to other people. I really just do it to myself. I do it to myself. <laughs> I It's a slippery slope. That's why I've had episodes before where I'm like, you guys, I know our wish list is like 10 items long, but we have to, you know, love ourselves and put ourselves, you know, our safety first. We're not going to undergo 10 surgeries. Maybe one, right. two, three. Um, I'm okay with that. Right. <laughs> but right. we're not going to go all in and chase perfection. You're beautiful, right. Kylie. You're gorgeous. You, I wouldn't change anything about your face. <laughs> well, you are beautiful too, Mavi. <laughs> oh, I would not change you. anything about you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You're so uh... sweet. Okay. 
So let's talk about BBLs, BBL nutrition. So this is like one of my top questions. What do I eat after my BBL or how do I prepare for my BBL? What, how do I feed the fat? What to do to feed the fat? And I know you, Kylie, ha- get the same question and you've been really doing the deep research on this. And as we were saying earlier in our private conversation, there. This is all new, you guys, like BBL recovery, like nutrition, how to maintain the fat like this science is like they're trying. We're trying to figure out best practices, what to do. Right. And Kylie, you you can take the floor because you've been doing a lot of research for us. Well, well, first, you know, when I I'm going to instead of saying BBL, I'm just going to refer to fat transfer because I'm seeing you know, so many surgeries and it's fat transfer for everything. It's either it's BBL, I'm seeing breast, I'm seeing hips, you know, mm-hmm. hip fat transfer, and I'm seeing face. So going forward, I'll, I'll, I'll mostly say fat transfer because that really is the research. But what I have found in my clients, all of my clients have, who've had fat transfer have had great results. It's also been and they've been able to maintain their fat. I just want to say that. And I humbly say that, but I can tell you that we don't necessarily, I don't give them salmon. I don't tell them to eat salmon every single day. I really focus on teaching them pre-op that what, how many calories they're going to have to have after surgery. And then I tell them, listen, that means that every bite you put in your mouth is going to have to count. Every bite is going to have to have protein. Every bite is going to have to have fat. Every bite is going to have to have calories. And so I teach them that it's, and that's what I think I'm probably fighting the most is people want like a list of BBL foods. What I teach the most is it's not just these foods. It's really about the food, the quantity of food, and for how long you're, you're eating them. And so we develop like a plan where they're getting all those extra calories and extra fat post-op to maintain that, that fat. So like you said, it's an evolving science. So it's kind of like, you know, it's a lot of work because you're trying to figure out how am I going to, how am I going to give this client all these calories? Cause you're going to need so many calories. So what's happening is, is a couple of things. Number one is people don't have appetites, right? So how do we, how do we maximize their intake when they don't have appetites? And then how do we convince them that they need to do this for like six weeks? You know, mm-hmm. most of them are doing it for like two weeks and they think that's okay. No, your body is hypermetabolic for like six to eight weeks after these surgeries. And so we have to teach them, listen, you're not doing this for, I'm going to give you like a week post-op diet. You need to be doing this though for six weeks. So hypermetabolic just means a increased metabolism. So after surgery, your body is going to go into something called hypermetabolism, where it's kind of like you just have an increased metabolism. You're burning nutrients faster. You're burning calories faster. You're burning fat faster. And so because your body's trying to recover from surgery. And so what we do is, well, what I do is I say, listen, you're so hypermetabolic because your body is trying to recover from surgery. We have to give you lots of calories, fat, and protein after surgery so that you don't lose weight, so that your incisions don't reopen, so that your fat is not lost. Absolutely. So, 
So that's the first thing. The second thing is some of the research that's come out is is there's still lots of different research coming out. But if you saw, I think I did a video recently on vitamin D. There's some there's some vitamins that are coming out that the research is not done on humans. You know, it's still is in it's still on animals and it's still in a lab. So we have to take that into consideration. But now I start to recommend a few vitamins that have just been shown to help with fat retention. One of those, if you if you remember, is vitamin D3. That's been one of the most researched for fat transfer. And then there's a small study coming out about CoQ10. And CoQ10 is basically, it's like it works in the, the metabolism, the, basically in the mitochondria, like in the your energy cell, like the energy part of your cell. There's small research about CoQ and then vitamin C. And then there's high dose vitamin C. There's like three vitamins that are coming out for fat transfer. Did y'all write that down? Y'all <laughs> Uh, but what I tell people, you know, sometimes I'm so hesitant to talk about this because people will go crazy if you don't have perfect research, you know, and the reality is that we're not going for a long time. I don't think we'll have perfect research when it comes to fat transfer because uh, it's, just, it's a really, it's hard to research, you know, who are you going to research? You're going, it, it's really, they're, it's doing, hard to they're doing a lot of research. I know ACPS here in Houston has residents through their program. And through their program, I know I've heard that they send a lot of uh, samples out for testing and for studies like this. So there are facilities that are working towards research. And my opinion, if we can do something to help the fat stick around, let's do something to help the fat stick around. Like these vitamins right. aren't going to hurt us. It's, we're not doing right. something like ridiculous, crazy. Right. You know, why not? If I, I know, love that point. I mean, for me, if I have 500 or a thousand cc's of fat that is going to be maybe good enough to put back in, I want all of it to survive. So I'm going to do everything right. I can, which is you guys, bruise juice, do not sleep on bruise juice. I'm telling you, I get pictures. These, my girls tell me they love it. Don't sleep on it. Okay. So back to where were we? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, and that's what I say is I'm like, listen, this is small research, but it's not invasive. It's inexpensive. It, it's not going to harm you. You know, it's not a, a procedure. It's pretty simple. And it, if it can help you 10%, I mean, that's fantastic. You know, if it helps you maintain 10% more, then that's good. That's kind of what the research shows. So things like that can help. Little things, little things. Do you see a lot of women coming to you with wound breakdown? Yes. So and that's fascinating if you want to talk about that. I would love go into it, girl. Get into it. <laughs> So I've had consults that in general, what I want to say is I want to remain positive here, <laughs> but <laughs> I have, but I have people, a lot of the clients come in and they say, listen, I'm eating organic. I'm eating clean. I'm eating healthy and my wounds not healing. And so I wanted to create education about this, but I did not want to sound conflicting. But what I want to say is, listen, I'm going to be super honest and you're not going to want to hear it. But eating clean, eating organic and eating quote unquote healthy doesn't always equivalent to healing. And so these clients who come to me, I would say 50% of them, of my wound patients, they come to me and they're saying, listen, I'm eating healthy. Why aren't I healing? And what I want to really reiterate is, yeah, I'm going to recommend clean foods. I'm going to recommend healthy foods. And I'm going to recommend some organic foods. But 
what I'm going to do is make sure that you're eating enough of those foods. Everybody that I know, they're not hitting those goals because they don't know how. And that's why I started my program is because I teach you how to do that. And that's really, I think, what's missing. The missing link is they're just not eating the right amounts for the right amount of time. And so what I try to teach people is, number one is eating healthy is relative, but eating for surgery is not because there's science behind eating for surgery, right? And so I just try to teach them, listen, you got to eat more. Mm-hmm. We have to, you have to, you've got to eat more. And I know that you're eating this organic, this organic food and this healthy food, but you're just not eating enough of it. So we've got to start increasing your calories and incre- increasing your protein. Or if you're, you know, you're exercising week three. Okay. We need to stop exercising. Oh, and another thing is like with the BBLs, right? This is, this is back in the BBLs. If they're not sleeping, some girls are walking around all day because they can't sit on their BBLs. So this is a good point for you, Mavi, is when you can't sit on your BBL for everybody's different, right? So what, what is it like six? You know, everybody's different, like three everybody's weeks, different, weeks. three weeks to 12 weeks, somewhere. So, I mean, you could be sitting on your side, but what are you doing? A lot of times you're standing or you're walking around. What is that? That's burning calories, right? You're mm-hmm. burning calories. Mm-hmm. So not only are you eating for that, but you're also eating because you're burning calories because you're walking around all day because you can't sit down. <laughs> but anyways, I don't want to go off on topic. But anyways, that's I, what I'm seeing with the no, wounds. It's very it's just- important. It's very important. I don't think you're going off topic, Kylie. And I'm, I'm going to interrupt you a little bit just because I'm having to talk to women every day. And it's kind of the same situation where a lot of women are looking for surgery and they're like, OK, I want to have surgery in two weeks or maybe next month. And, you know, my recovery will be three weeks and then I'll be good to go on vacation. And what happens is, you guys, what you think is a very simple, easy surgery. These are big surgeries. The a tummy big tuck surgeries. is a big surgery. Liposuction, yeah. 360, BBL, breast lift, breast reduction, a breast augmentation. Like these are big surgeries and we need to prepare. So what I have found in since I've launched the podcast, this I'm learning as I go because I talk to so many women and I'm hearing like, OK, this is a very common theme that I hear over and over again. Women aren't prepared to the full extent or really don't understand. And I see it in my Instagram stories where I have my girls. I'm going to shout out one of my girls, uh, Lola La Nalgona. She prepared her body. I watched her. She prepared her body for months before surgery. She ate. She went to the gym. She got her. She got tip top ready her recovery was great she was she had pain but she felt it was fine it wasn't like unbearable pain she was still eating clean I was watching her post all of her food all of when she got back in the gym and you guys she looks amazing right now yeah she's healed she looks great and I'm just so proud of her because I'm like yes this is exactly how I want y'all to do it you get ready before and I've seen it with a a lot of my girls get them ready before that they have a great recovery and then they're uh the lifestyle change is already there and it's not yes. hard to maintain the results that your surgeon gave you now. Right. It's not a big learning curve. And that's why, you know, I have I have a 12 week program as of now. When this drops, I don't know how long it'll be, but it's definitely always going to be longer than eight weeks because the learning part is before surgery is going to do you so 
it's going to give you so much benefit after surgery. And so it's like the less of a learning curve. You know, if you know what foods, like how you need to fill your plate at breakfast, lunch, and dinner before surgery, that is going to be so helpful after surgery. And then also I teach people, listen, I got to tell you, you got to change your palate. (laughs) I know, I know. You're eating, you're eating sugar all day, right? And so we've got to just, let's change our palate. And I promise you, you'll appreciate foods, right? You'll, you'll appreciate these foods. It just is going to take a while. It's human, right? It's not going to always be fun. There's going to be a level of discomfort, but the discomfort will help you maintain that result. And it's so worth it. What I tell people is no matter what the discomfort is for plastic surgery, it's going to be worth it because you're going to love your body so much. You're going to feel so much more confident. You're going to love it so much. You're going to feel so much more attractive that whatever sacrifice you made is going to be worth it. You're going to be like, I would do it 10 times again. Right. It's right. It's amazing to see like the transformation and you're so right about the palette because I can tell you that my palette has changed a lot. Yes. In the last year probably. Like for example, I hated papaya. I did not eat papaya. Papaya It is an acquired taste. <laughs> disgusting. Like that stuff is ugly. I am not eating that. I'll eat some cantaloupe. I'm a cantaloupe girl. Watermelon. I like the sweet, but I had to change because, okay, well, I'm not. Remember, y'all have heard me talk about that. I'm trying to eat for nutrition instead of for taste. So papaya. But you can do both. You can do <laughs> well, both. Yeah, you can do both. I promise but you. For me, it I was takes, like, it, it takes, it's, it's a learning curve. And yeah, and sometimes it's a learning curve to figure out, you know, to eat healthier. And then you figure out how, it, how am I going to, you know, make this taste great. And so I try to tell my, my clients too, like, I want you to enjoy your food. You know, that's why I'm so anti eat salmon every day because I don't like salmon. And so I can't. And so, I mean, I eat it, but I have found ways to eat it. I have found ways to enjoy it. And I've also found ways that you can include, you know, food in your, in your diet that's going to benefit you and that you enjoy, you know, and that you enjoy because, and that you enjoy. We have it. You have to get used to it. You have to get used to this new lifestyle. And you have to remember that the way you were eating before had you where you were before surgery. Right. So you That's a have, great point. I mean, you have to change if you want change and you're going to pay 15, 30, you know, whatever amount of thousands of dollars for this surgery, you want to maintain and protect your investment, protect you know, yourself, protect your body, take care of it, maintenance, keep your eating habits good. So, okay. What that comes into point though, too, is when, um, when people come to me and they want weight loss, I have found, and this is kind of humbling to say, and people may be shocked, but what I kind of tell them a lot is I'm like, I said, you need me, but what you really need is a mindset coach Yes, because they're not a therapist. They're not a psychologist. They're not going to go into your, you know, they're not going to get crazy. You need a mindset coach because losing weight and changing some of those lifestyle, make some of those lifestyle changes. Some women Women have an emotional connection to food while men usually don't. So women, because of that emotional connection to food, 
they need like an emotional, um, that's what's really going to change their, their eating habits. Not all women. I'm not saying this is all women, but some women do. So what I like to tell people is I'm like, you just need a mindset coach to understand why you're, why you're binging, you know, why are you eating clean for five days and then binging on the weekends? Why are you, why are you demonizing one food and not the other? You know, mm. um, and a dietitian can do that, you know, and that's what I'm getting. I'm going to get more trained on that as well. But for the meantime, I tell people, I'm like, you know, I think a mindset coach would help you the best because it's going to teach you some, a little bit more balance and kind of your why, you know, why are you, you know, why are you treating your yourself like this? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so that's, an, and there's, there's some weight loss programs that I actually recommend outside of my program, which people think I'm crazy, but I'm like, listen, I'm telling you, the, these people, they do a great job doing mindset and nutrition. Who, and so can you, name, can you name drop them? Yeah. Um, college nutritionist, hands down. She's not a college, like she's not in college and it's just her handle that she's secured, but she does a fantastic job of, um, college nutritionist. Mm-hmm. She does her, she's Rachel Paul. She's, um, she's on TikTok and she's also on, um, Instagram on, on Instagram. Yeah. But you know, I don't have a, I have no problems handing out things that are outside of my lane. Yes. I'm a dietitian and yes, I teach weight loss, but if she has this program that people are seeing fast results, healthy results, and then she has a mindset portion. And that is what the women love, you know? Um, I, and I, she's not expensive. I can see why they love that because I'm telling you, you guys, all of it is a mind game. All of it is a mindset. If you can change your mindset and how you view things and how change your perspective on something, it can change your life. Yeah. So that's what I just named Dr. I should reach out to her and be like, listen, I just told your name on a podcast. But she, has, <laughs> she has like a half a million. She has a half a million followers. So she probably doesn't care. <laughs> But well, if y'all like if y'all go to her, tell her that y'all heard about her on the Big Butts No Lies podcast from Kylie. Yes, because yes, I do. I rec- I highly recommend her. Um, but back to just eating. I think for post op, what um what I've seen is um you know you don't have to for post-op in order to maintain that fat transfer if you want to get back there. I don't know if you want to get back there, Bobby. Yeah, please. Okay. Um, what I've seen is, is really like I did a video yesterday about, um, in that post-op meal plan, if you're going to be eating, you know, making every bite count and hitting those protein and calorie goals. Um, and that is something like quinoa with ghee. So you're adding in, you have quinoa, which is a complete protein. It's, uh, it's a, it's a carbohydrate but it's also a complete protein. And then you add some ghee, which is low lactose. Some of the, some of the fat transfer doctors recommend, um, like a dairy-free gluten-free, um, diet after surgery for fat transfers. And so ghee is like a low lactose food. So thinking that way about how I can create my meals with more calories that have more nutrition in them is going to be one of the best ways that you can keep that fat transfer. So even if you're not having an appetite, 
that you're still making sure that, you know, you're eating something every hour, even if it's small, that what you're eating is, is very nutrient dense and it's going to give you some extra energy, um, after surgery for that fat transfer. Awesome. Um, so that's really what I recommend. And then, you know, in my program, I just do, the biggest thing is teaching the women understanding, like I'll do, I think one of the most eye-opening things that we do is um, I do a, I do a dietary recall. So I just ask them what they normally eat before surgery. And I just really pull back the curtain. I'm like, listen, this is really like you think you're eating A, B, and C. You think you're eating a, a lot of protein. You think you're really eating all your nutrients. But I can tell you just based upon what you're telling me that you're eating, um, you're really missing a lot of nutrients. And so I think that's one that, because we all kind of think that we're eating right, you know, but if because you really we're not wrote sick. down, it's like, well, I'm not sick, so I must be fine. Right. But if you really wrote down what you ate and I'm guilty of it, I mean, yesterday I was like, did I even have a vegetable yesterday? <laughs> so, what you know, if, if you wrote down like what you wrote, you may be surprised, you know, that maybe it's not as well-rounded as you think. And so what I like to tell people is number one, that's why it is important to, to work with a, um, with a dietitian, but also even if you don't know where to start to get on like a multivitamin, just, just as a starting jumping off point, you know, and then, and then working more on your diet pre-op. Um, so my 2.0 formula, I need to start, I'm going to post, I'm going to pin it to my, um, I'm going to pin it to my feed, but my 2.0 formula is just something to start to jump to jump off with. And it's just it's 20 grams of protein at every meal. And it's two cups of produce at lunch and dinner. And it's just a way that you don't have to measure. You don't really have to think. I kind of showed you, and I need, probably need to talk more about it. But it's just a simple way of looking at your plate or how you're eating in order to get in all of your macros, which are your protein, fat, um, and carbohydrate, and then your micros, which is coming from those produce, whether they're fruit or whether they're vegetables. So that's a good jumping off point if you don't know where to start for your plastic surgery is starting to eat that way. And it doesn't have, it, you know, two cups sounds a lot. It's really not a lot. And then getting on a good multivitamin. I think that's a great jumping point, at least somewhere for them to start. Let me tell you guys, I don't know if y'all have ever tried cauliflower in the air fryer. But I tried it because I heard from a, uh, Dr. Fustock in one of these past episodes that cauliflower is really good for you and it has like anti-aging properties. So I've been in trying to eat more cauliflower, which I wasn't a big cauliflower eater before. So I'm trying to find like good ways to eat it that are appetizing. And one of those ways was in the air fryer with yeah. a little bit of olive oil, some salt and pepper. I I have all these like different seasonings. I just toss them all in there sometimes just see what's up <laughs> throw it in and there. you know what and that's what I tell people I'm like listen don't think that you have to steam your vegetables and eat them plain you know you can add flavor to them you'd be surprised what like one tablespoon of ghee or one tablespoon of olive oil how that will completely change a dish with seasonings mm -hmm. and so just slowly incorporating that you're not going to get it right all the time but slowly incorporating that is going to be a way because this is what you're doing. Even if 
even if you just think you're eating your vegetables, what you're doing is you're preparing your gut for surgery because that's what that produce is doing to you. It's preparing your gut for surgery. And so we look at it as in we just have to eat a couple, you know, a couple of some vegetables. But no, what you're doing is that's a way to prepare for surgery. But cauliflower is great. And tell us why. Why would you want to prepare a gut for surgery? And and what happens during surgery that affects your gut? Well, so why you want to prepare your gut is number one, the majority of us are not, we do not have a healthy gut. When I talk to clients, when you just do any type of research, majority of people, they're having constipation, they're having gas, they have, and I'm even going to get TMI here, they have pebble poops, you know, they have, mm-hmm. or they're not going all the time. And that's kind of a sign that your gut's not working very well and that your diet's really not working too well. And having all the research backs up that having a variety, that old school thing of eating the rainbow, having a variety of vegetables, they break down into fatty acids and they're going to literally help the healthy bacteria in your gut. And when you have a healthy bacteria versus an unhealthy bacteria, your body can absorb because that's where your nutrients are absorbed are in your gut. After it bypasses the stomach, they're going to be absorbed into the intestines, which is you know part of the gut. And so if you're having healthy intestines, they can absorb all of those amino acids from the protein and they can absorb your nutrition from your vegetables. And so when you start early of just eating some of that produce, that's a way that you're going to start maximizing your gut in order to break down your protein and absorb all your amino acids and break down your food so it it can absorb all of your other vitamins. After surgery, you know, you're naturally going to have, you're naturally going to be prone to nausea and constipation and things like that. But what I like to talk about is what's important is if you're having a healthy gut, if you've kind of prepared it, you know, we, we work on having like a really specific probiotic and then also some specific probiotics to help you get through surgery. That after surgery, your body can still break down that protein. You want to maximize your gut so that it can break down the protein to absorb it so that your body can use that protein, you know, to heal and seal that incision. And so that's what you want. That's why you're preparing your gut beforehand so that after surgery, you're not malabsorbing. You know what I'm saying? You're not having all these gut problems that your body is, that your gut is still working to break down your food to absorb it. Now, people still do it, but, you know, if we can maximize how our gut works before surgery, you know, even better. And then if you're on antibiotics and you happen to have, you know, have a reaction to antibiotics, we want to maximize your gut before surgery so that when you are given antibiotics, you're not going to have a yeast problem, you know? That's you're not what gonna I was going to talk about. Yeah, you're not going to have a yeast problem. You're not going to have a UTI. You're not going to have diarrhea, right? Antibiotic-induced diarrhea. So preparing the gut before surgery is something that I, I, I really started working on before with all my clients because... And then I remember having actually a BBL client and she was like, I always get yeast infections when I'm on antibiotics. And this time I did not get a yeast infection. Because can you imagine after surgery, you, you're, you know, you're trying to recover and you have a yeast infection, you know, that's horrible. That's horrible. That's but, horrible. I know yeah, my, they, so we, they suffer. Yeah. So that's what I do. That's why gut is so important in, in preparing. And that's what I do in my program is getting their gut working a little bit better so that they're not going to have 
that yeast and that candida and those UTIs and that antibiotic-induced diarrhea. Kylie, one thing I just came to my mind and I kind of want to touch on it because it's a conversation that you and I had before and I think we should talk about it. So you mentioned to me, you know, guys, Kylie and I have, we've built a friendship over the last year where we're like, hey, this is what's going on with my girls. What's going on over there? Where, how are you? Well, because another thing is we're out here by ourselves. We don't work totally for anybody. <laughs> we don't work for anybody. We don't, which is good and bad, right? It's, like it's there's good. sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, sometimes I wish I, I could, re, you know, could work for somebody. But yeah. Because it's, it's hard. Lonely. It's lonely. It's tough. It's like, so we, I've made my own coworkers. <laughs> there you it's go. Kylie and the Faha doctor, Dr. Grumberg. I've made my own, if my own family of my new work. So. You know, in one of our conversations, Kylie and I were talking about how she was struggling with her package because women were like thinking it was too expensive. Oh, yeah. I love that you're talking about this. Yeah. And I think it's very important because I mean, what so Kylie, I mean, if, if you don't mind, I we can cut this out if you don't want. But I think it's really important because I'm struggling with the same thing of women like not wanting to spend on themselves and like not really understanding, understanding that they right. have to invest in themselves and, you know, it's for their best. Right. Well, and what I will tell you what's weird is that I gave in to lowering my prices and guess what happened? I did not get any more customers. I still got the same people saying that it was expensive. <laughs> so it was just, it's funny because what I've had to, I've had to talk to professionals and I've had doctors tell me that I'm too expensive, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and what's funny is I'm like, but you're, you know, but they're paying you 25,000, you know? And I understand you have a lot of overhead. I'm like, you're the one that's doing the job. So I completely understand that. But what I really want to tell people is you literally are protecting your investment. And I think, Mavi, you tell me that more than anything. I, I want my girls to understand that this is going to be, you know, maybe 3% of your surgery cost. And yet I can take you through the process with significant less anxiety. You don't have to worry about an infection. You don't have to worry about losing your result. And I'm doing that for you. The surgeon's doing, you know, his or her job, but I'm helping you carry, you know, go through that journey, you know? And so I, I just tell people, I'm like, you've got to focus on the right things, you know? Do you want to stay at the high end, I don't know, recovery house or the $700 hotel room? Or do you want to use that money to to help and I can help you with that, you know, <laughs> like I can help you recover further than a, than a nice hotel room. Right. So I like to, t I like to encourage people to say, listen, you've got to look at what is important. And I've seen people suffer after a surgery and there's no price you can't put on that. I know. There's no price. The, the thing is when people don't understand how to eat, for example, after surgery and they're hungry, they didn't prepare. And this is, I teach my girls, like, I want you to be prepared before, like before you come home from surgery, everything has to be done at home where you are ready. If you're recovering at home or if you're recovering at right. a recovery home, they'll take care of it. But if you're at home, you know, setting yourself up for success along the way is the best way to prevent 
complications, anxiety, just general like, yeah, anxiousness. Um, I'm, am I doing yeah. this right? Am, am I losing it? Am I am I going to take care? How can I take care of this? You know, so many things go through your mind during recovery. And, you know, y'all know it's an emotional roller coaster. And I feel like when you have something that you're like, OK, this is what I have to do. Um, you know, my plan for my meals, you're understanding how to eat, you're understanding how to take care of yourself, even if you don't have food ready when you've already you already have the knowledge on how to do it. It's easier yes. for you instead of. Right. What do I eat? Well, let me look online. Let me see. What are they doing over here? What do other girls recommend? And then you go down the rabbit hole of Facebook. Yes. And before you know it, you are not eating. Now you're not eating because you want to maintain your results with results, which I see on the Facebook groups, which is why I tell my girls, please get out of Facebook groups, because that mm-hmm. is some of the worst information I have seen where mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. are crash dieting right after surgery. They're not following doctor's instructions and they're doing what somebody told them to do on Facebook. Right, right, right. And that is interesting to me that I think they just have that trust with, you know, the other girls, you know, in the Facebook group. And so maybe that's why they lean towards that versus a professional. But, you know, when I have seen women post-op tummy texts who didn't get any nutrition help and it's, you know, six, seven, eight weeks and there's their incisions not healed and it's awful. And, you know, then I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, you should, I should, I could have talked to you weeks ago. And- I, I could have talked to you weeks ago and this would have been such a better experience for you and you wouldn't have gotten infected, you know, and you won't have this awful scar. I mean, that's, you cannot put a price on that. You can't, you, just you can't, really can't. You cannot put a price. My price, like I'm still working on my prices, you know, like what do I think, I'm worth. That's what I have to say. Like, so it's almost like a mental Kylie. It's a mental struggle for you, and it's a mental struggle for me. Like, what are we worth? Right? Because there's no standard. Because there's no standard. standard. Because we are creating these positions for ourselves. Like, there. Yeah. I mean, not any that I knew were or I met in person. Any nutritionist or dietitian who focused specifically on plastic surgery. Yeah. And before. My podcast, I didn't know of any patient coordinator, patient oriented led plastic surgery podcast, like a podcast that wasn't by a plastic surgeon that was by a patient and a patient coordinator. Right. You know, so I, the Faha doctor, there was nobody out there on the, of altering Fajas for the BBLs. Like we are creating these things for the, for our community, for our girls, because we're like, okay, we need this. Nobody's right. going to make it for us. We have to do it for ourselves. Right. So along with that is a lot of what I've talked before on the show of imposter syndrome, where I'm like, why, why me? Why do I, why would they listen to me? Or, you know, these, all of these mental hurdles that I have to jump to put myself out there, to give out the information, to do all these things Kylie, I know you deal with the same thing. We talk about this oh, man. all the time. So much. Well, and what I've, I've thought about from my own experience is I think, all right, when I paid a hundred bucks for something, like if I paid, so I was just thinking about a course that I paid a hundred bucks for and it looked good. It was great. I never watched it. I got excited about it. Never watched it. The course that I paid a thousand dollars for, you better 
you better bet that I sat down, I took notes, I printed off the workbook, I listened, I I did everything they told me to do, and my business did so much better because of it. And when you put value on a product and when you put value on yourself, then I feel like people are going to give you that respect. And so, but it's also like, you know, me telling myself too, like, you know, I'm, this is what I'm worth. This is what I think I'm worth. Is it still a struggle? Are my prices still changing? Yes. But I have to remind myself of that. You know, you're not going to care about your car that you paid a thousand dollars for. But if you paid $30,000 for your car, you're going to take care of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You're going to do the nice oil changes. You're going to put the nice tires on there. You know, you're going to get everything done. And so that's kind of the mentality that I've had to have. I wonder if that also applies for women whenever they do their surgeries and if they're paying like 10,000 or 5,000. I mean, I've seen $5,000 surgeries, $3,000 breast augmentations. Would you value that as much as you would a $30,000 surgery? Right. Are you asking me or you're... No, like I think it's kind of that same... Yeah. Idea because I also notice in my patient type, you know, my patients who are paying the lower prices will revert to their eating habits faster. Right. Like will that's a great point. Gain the weight back a little bit. You know, they Mm -hmm. will not protect their investment as much as a patient who invested twenty eight thousand. They, right. her, my $27,000, $28,000 surgery, she is doing everything before. She is right. doing everything during and after. And she's in the gym because she knows she has to protect right. her investment. And wow, I hadn't right. even thought about all that. You just brought that to yeah. my mind. And I just connected the dots because it's so true. And I see it with my girl, my with my girls. Right. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And that's, and then also when you talk to other medical professionals telling you that you're charging too much, you know, you know, going out with physicians or whatever, it really is just a matter of education. I'm like, listen, if they're spending $30,000 talking to you and having you in a surgery, then they can afford it. They can afford or they can can protect their investment with an additional, what is a $300, $400 charge, but it's, you're teaching them invaluable information invaluable that's going to help them that could prevent wound delay that could prevent that can help their fat stay like right. if you're paying $30,000 for a BBL and you have limited fat why would you not do and all the things to make Everything. limited fat stay right and it's not just as in you know everybody has to get the 30k surgery but it's having that mentality of okay what is what is a sacrifice? What the, the price point, if this is a sacrifice to me, then I'm going to do the work. I'm going right. to do the work. And so, and so that's kind of what I've seen too, is when I've struggled with, should I lower my prices? I've just noticed that, you know, everybody's like, no, don't you dare lower your price. <laughs> because mm. it's like, you know, when they look at you as an investment, then they'll do the work, mm-hmm. you know? And then, so it's more of like, what's a sacrifice? Because when they, people tell me that they can't afford it, I kind of say, you know, I, I just think, well, that's okay. Because, you know, we want to, we always say we can't afford things, but we can also afford some things, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think it's all relative. You know, yeah, what are we going to find? Relative to every, and expensive is different to every person. Right, right. So it's right. all, 
it's ever moving and ever changing. But what's not is that the we need to value ourselves. Put if we are paying any amount and putting ourselves under general anesthesia, having surgery, going through recovery, like this is a major surgery. These are major surgeries. And we need to take care of ourselves, which is why I really wanted to have you on, Kylie. And we always have such great conversations. You and I have such good conversations because right now that you brought up something about the doctor telling you you were too expensive, it kind of sparked this like thought that I've been having to deal with my general practitioner and a dermatologist and going back and forth and just the difference in care from my PCP to my dermatologist and like the difference in how the pay, how their staff takes care of me, how they talk to us, how, if they give us a call for an appointment reminder, like all of these things. And I feel that employees or workers and doctor's offices who are paid low, I mean, what incentive do they have to go above and beyond for their patients? Right. They don't. And the patient and the employees or workers of higher where, you know, they're higher priced facilities and they're getting paid. They're better paid employees and they're do they're taking the extra steps to take care of their patients. They're taking care of you. And I just man, sometimes these doctor's offices shut up. I was in there, you guys. I was in there, which I have three things that I want to include in this episode, even though it has they're like completely unrelated because I have to talk to y'all. Let me write it down before I forget. Okay, so number one, I wanted to talk to you guys about you guys have heard me talk about how to sleep after a tummy tuck BBL. I've told y'all about my throne and my, you know, I, I set up the pillows like, a, you know, like I'm a queen or a princess and I have all these pillows around me. Well, I found by accident, I don't know how I found this girl, but I'm so glad I did because her Instagram, on, she's on Instagram as the post-op uh, pillow or the post-op throne or something like that. I'm going to have to tag her. I, I feel terrible. Not, let me look for, look it up so I can tell you guys because. I found her page and that is the exact same thing that I want y'all to do. That's what I want y'all to do. If you are looking for a way to sleep after your tummy tuck, BBL, your surgery, this is this is going to help you sleep. It's a game changer. So she's on Instagram as the post-op pillow queen. And she has something that she calls the throne. And it's like a th- a whole bunch of pillows set in this like s- perfect way for you to just scoot your little booty in there and lay on your throne, put your head back and fall asleep without worried about being worried about putting pressure on your butt or being overextended from your tummy tuck. You can, you know, you'll be you're going to be in the perfect position. You're not going to if you're doing BBL only, you don't have to lay on your stomach all the time. You can sit in specific ways like this way. Put it on the couch, put it in your bed. You can lay on it. The most important thing in the first couple of weeks of surgery is sleep. You need to sleep. That should be 
up there, the number one priority is I need to find the best way to get comfortable so that I can sleep. You'll feel better. You'll heal faster. So sleep is super important. You guys, we talked about it earlier. Kylie said, you know, BBL girls and how they're walking, they're burning calories. You can sit. That, go look at that pillow. If Even if you don't get that, but that's the idea. Fix your pillows like that. And you can sleep. <laughs> and and that, what's so funny is that, think about that, like you're burning calories because you're standing all day. I mean, this is part of maintaining that, maintaining that fat, you know, through conserving your calories. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Because you're not, you, you won't be walking all the time. You won't be standing up walking all the time. I don't want I don't want them up walking on the time. I actually I think you can sit on your butt. So like you can sit on soft surfaces. You can sit on BBL pillows. I have one from Formato Cuerpo here. They have a nice BBL pillow. For me personally, when I went through my BBL, this stuff was barely starting to come out. I had my BBL in 2017. Like BBL pillows, all of this was like a whole different world. Yeah, I'm telling y'all the the plastic surgery recovery world has evolved so much in the last like four or five years, especially since COVID. Like it's exploded since COVID. Right. So it's all new and everybody's trying to figure it out. (laughs) We're all trying to figure out the best tips, tricks, recovery, recovery ideas. Okay, so that was one thing. The other thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is J-Plasma. So a lot of you guys ask me about J-Plasma. Should I get J-Plasma? Do I need to get J-Plasma? And this, I'm going to tell you guys what my experience has been. And I'm going to give you two thoughts on it. And then you make your own decision. So J-Plasma is like heat. It's skin tightening. They do it during your surgery where they're using some heat to make your skin retract. The facilities that I worked at did not do J-plasma at the same time as liposuction. And the reasoning we I always heard was where that's how you get higher risk for burns and for complications from liposuction. I've told y'all before at the facilities that I worked for and the doctors that I've worked with, we didn't see a lot of the complications that I see out here. Like we didn't see third degree burns. We didn't see this type of stuff. And I know that it's a lot of it has to do with my doctors were always super safe, like and which is what has taught me that I want my doctors safe. I want to be safe above everything. I want to be safe. So J plasma was not something that we recommended that we used. If there was loose skin, most likely it was going to get cut out. Most likely we're doing a tummy tuck. And that's the, the third thing I wanted to talk to you guys about, because this is one of my other most common questions. It's should I get the liposuction or should I get the tummy tuck? And my answer to that is this. If you have skin loose before liposuction, will probably make it worse. It will not help it. Will not help it. If, I mean, very specific cases where you have a little bit of loose skin and you have liposuction, it can retract. It There is cases, but I mean, it's very specific, very like not for the cases that I'm seeing. Like if your skin is hanging, like if you have a hang, like a fold or anything like that, your skin will retract, but is it going to retract to a flat, belly like a tummy tuck no and I'm sorry to tell you guys and I talked to 
at least five women a week who have had liposuction in Florida and should have had a tummy tuck. And now they're upset because they should have had a tummy tuck. They're going to have to pay for surgery again. And this is a very common thing that I hear where they're like, oh, my God, like I paid 15. Didn't the doctor recommend that? I want to put that in. What did the doctor tell them? A lot of times they do. But women fight and they're like, no, I don't want the scar. And this is what I want to tell you. And I've been saying it is the scar is not that bad because you can hide it under your panty line, your loose skin around your belly button. You can't you can't hide you can't hide that. You can't you, you can't, can't hide that. So just go for the tummy tuck. The recovery is the same as lipo. Like, no, it's not the same. I'm lying. It's not the same. It, The tummy tuck recovery is a little bit more difficult. But what I mean is it's still intense. Like you're still bent over. You're still bruised. You're still like in a faha for six, six to eight weeks minimum. None of that changes because you didn't do the the uh, tummy tuck. You're still going to be in a faha. You still have the same recovery. It's still going to be intense. Okay. So then the other question is, well, what if I want to do a BBL? So if you want to do tummy tuck, lipo, BBL, my recommendation would be to do the liposuction BBL first and then come back and do the tummy tuck. Because if you have touch up lipo, if you need anything that needs to get touched up, they can do more fat and put it in your butt. <laughs> they can get more fat and put it in your butt. So, oh, I like that. Yeah, That's it's a like a, it's a if you need any touch up, you're already going to be back in there for your tummy tuck anyway. And they can, mm-hmm. you know, touch you up and do more BBL. The other option is doing the tummy tuck first, healing from the tummy tuck and then coming back and doing the liposuction. But in my opinion, if you want your skin to be the tightest, like on your tummy, if you're like, I'm going to do it and I want to get it as tight as I possibly can do the liposuction first and then get the tummy tuck. That's my recommendation. And that's yeah. it. That, that, those were the three things I wanted to talk to you all about. I had to I have to jump on here and talk about these things without sometimes without a whole episode maybe the next episode i should just answer questions like that oh yeah like a q and a yeah like a q and a because i have this very your stories are only going to last for 24 hours like you answer amazing questions in your stories but they don't live i know so that would be that would be fantastic you guys i want to go on tiktok and i'm so scared i'm such a chicken instagram <laughs> was a leap for me like because as much as you guys want to like, I don't know how y'all think that I'm not shy, but I'm very shy. <laughs> I'm shy. I like to talk, but I'm very shy, I like to put myself out there because I'm a, I have I'm very sensitive and my feelings get hurt easily. And I feel like if I put myself out there on TikTok, somebody's going to say something negative and it's going to hurt my feelings. And I'm trying to work through it. You guys, I have I'm trying to change my mindset on it. I've already, you know, done it for the podcast. Like, why can't I do it again for TikTok? And somebody put it in a really good way for me. And it's like almost got me through the threshold. He told me, you're doing a disservice to your girls who you're supposed to be serving by hiding because you can't provide the information if you're not putting yourself out there. Ooh, that's good. I I know, right? I was like, preach. That's good. Uh, so that's true. Okay. I'm going to get on TikTok and I'm just doing like, I just do like the questions. 
You know, I just do like one little one liner questions. My TikTok is completely different from my Instagram. I think I want to do like answer questions. I want to go live. So I have a few people on TikTok that I want to go live with, but I can't go live until I get to a thousand followers. So if you love the podcast, go follow me on TikTok. Let me give you my handle. Let me, I think it's like plastic surgery podcast or something like that. Yeah. Plastic surgery podcast, Latina plastic surgery podcast. So go on, go on there. I'm at 570 followers. So you guys get, can you, can y'all get me to a thousand, please? <laughs> I'm hovering like at 960 or something. I'm hey, like, oh, you're almost God. there. You're almost there, oh Kylie. Give us your TikTok um, handle. It's nutrition plastic surgery. Perfect. It's, just, right. it's the same one. Help us get to a thousand so we can go live. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, Kylie, anything else you think we need to tell our girls before we sign off? No, I just want to remind them that regardless of any kind of surgery, that sounds cliche, but I'm, I just want to tell some always these women, I'm like, you are still so beautiful. I want you to always see yourself as beautiful before, during and after surgery and to love yourself and to go out into the world with confidence that will do more for you than anything else in life, you know, because people are attracted to confident people. And so even if we don't feel confident, right? <laughs> you fake it till you make it, girl. Fake it fake till you make it. Till you make it. it. Yep. Sometimes. So you're just, you're doing a great job. And so I know that you're going to continually to be a huge success, Mavi. So oh, I just appreciate you so what you do. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a rare voice in the voice of truth, right? And so there's so much craziness out there that it's nice to have a, a solid voice that people can listen to and you they know that you're not going to lead them astray and they, you're not jumping on trends and you know you're the safest route through their surgery journey so thank you so much kylie that was yeah. awesome you made my heart so happy you made my day with yeah. that <laughs> yeah you're so welcome i'm so glad that we've connected me too i'm so happy that we've been able to build this community for our for our girls who are looking for this type of information and there's nothing out there and i can't tell nothing. you how many times i am on the phone with a consultation and they'll tell me like man i wish i had found you in 2010 i wish you were around yeah. in 2018 i wish you were around right. before i went to miami i wish you were around before i went to TJ because I would yep. have never done it. And these are stories that I'm hearing all the time. And it's kind of what fuels my fire of like, I have to keep doing right. what I'm doing because there's women out there who are on that boat and they, I can still find them before right. they make any mistakes or get botched right. or end up doing something that they regret later. So I'm very happy with my life doing this. It's very fulfilling. Sometimes it's a little lonely. Like Kylie said, it does get lonely because we're the ones doing, we're here by ourselves doing the work, trying to figure out what do you guys need? What can we do better? And always trying to grow and evolve for better results for all of, for everybody, for everybody to be just happy. Cause I know how plastic surgery, my plastic surgery, you guys changed my life. Yeah. I'm not playing. In 2017, when I had my tummy tuck, so I was like, which I've never, I, I don't think I really have ever gone into my journey, but I mean, I'll go into it right now. <laughs> Do it, girl. In 2017, when I was, my son was one, my daughter was three. So no, my daughter was four. My son was one. I was like, I'm not having any more kids. I'm done. And 
For a long time, I had already been unhappy in my marriage and I didn't really understand why. I thought maybe it was me. Like I'm not happy. Like I wasn't happy in my marriage for a long time and I didn't wasn't planning to kind of do anything about it. I was just like, okay, I guess this is how it is. This is, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm being a good mom. I'm being a good wife. You know, I'm, I'm happy at work. I'm happy with my friends. Like every other aspect of my life, I was happy except this one part. So after my surgery in 2017, I thought it, things are going to get better because I'm going to look better. I'm going to look hotter. I'm going to be more attractive. He's going to be more attracted to me. Things are going to be going to go up from here. And uh, maybe a little bit. It was nice while it was new. And then everything went right back to normal. And I became even more unhappy. And then I realized, like, I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe it didn't have anything to do with how I look. Maybe it's something else. And I was like, you know what? I have to, I'm going to go to therapy. And I went to, started going to therapy and through therapy, I really discovered a lot of things, a lot of reasons why I was doing things or why I accepted things that I shouldn't be accepting. And it made me grow. And through that growth, I was able to believe that I deserved better and be able to file for divorce and believe that I could do it. And, you know, think in my mind, I can go through this. I, you know, I can I can do it. And I, I don't know if you've ever, if you're married or if you've been divorced or anything like that, but going through a divorce is the most like traumatic experience you can, yeah, you can go trauma. through. It's trauma because like people for me, miss it, but it is, it's trauma. I mean, that's really what I like to say is like, it is a traumatic experience that, and people minimize it. And I'm like, no, this is traumatic. It really is. And, you know, for me, during my whole divorce, my whole process, like till this very day, my number one priority are my kids and my children and making sure that my kids are good and that they're happy. So I think that really helped me make decisions through my journey of like, for me, as long as I'm doing the right thing for my kids, I know I'm going to be okay with that. If my kids are good, I'm I'm going to be fine. If if they're not good, then I won't be fine. So I was able to go through my divorce, believe in myself, believe that I deserved better, believe that I could, you know, find somebody who could do the things that I wanted. Ended up quitting my job <laughs> in the middle of the pandemic, launching the podcast, going full force through all of this. And I've told y'all before that, well, like, why didn't I do it before? And it wasn't because I didn't have the knowledge or I didn't have the expertise or the experience or any of the resources to do it. I could have done it, but I didn't believe I could. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe I had anything worth for people to hear or you know, valuable enough to put myself out there. And through a lot of mental work, self, self-help, self-development, listening to podcasts, reading different books, which I, I mean, y'all have heard me talk about the books I've read and really change myself from the inside out. And now like, okay, now I'm like, okay, I'm, my inside feels how I feel on the outside. Like I feel happy on the inside and I feel confident. That is that is so beautiful. I, I think that's such a beautiful thing to say is how I feel on the outside is how I feel on the inside. That's, that's something that's incredible to say about yourself. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, but I ne- I've never heard that before. So well, it's like... I mean, because I've known. And I actually had this conversation with a friend of mine recently where she was going through an emotional breakup. And I was telling her like, hey, girl, like, don't think that I have not been there. I've been there. I've been there where I thought I'm not pretty enough. I'm ugly. I'm, I don't, I'm not attractive. I'm not, you know, I'm not worthy. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. slowly Mm -hmm. convincing myself that I am, I am pretty, Mm -hmm. I am attractive. Mm -hmm. I am like, I am. Why do I think, why was I convincing myself that I wasn't when I am? And it wasn't until I like, I am, I am, I am beautiful. I am worthy. I am. And I was able to slowly, like, if y'all have not done affirmations in front of the mirror, you're missing out. Because words are powerful. The words will change. Yeah. The first time that I stood in front of the mirror and I told myself, like, you are worthy. Oh, oh my God. Like, I still get chills. Like, did you just cry? I I, I, I think that's very emotional. Like, just cry. Very raw. Oh my God. Just cry, cry, cry until I'm like, oh my God. Like, I, I am. I am worthy. I am worthy. And that's why I tell you guys. And I post like, you're worth the investment. You're worth it. Because I hear you guys tell me like, oh, I'm, you know, I could use it for my kids for to do to take them to Disney or I could go do this for my kids. And yeah, you're right. You could. But you can you can get that money again. You can do it again. And you will not regret spending that money on yourself. And even if it's not with surgery, spending that money or that effort, that energy to change your mindset will make mm-hmm. will change your life a hundred percent. It'll also change the way that your relationship with people in your life. You know, if I mean I tell my kids now all the time, I, I don't I don't puff them up, but I just say, you look so beautiful. You are beautiful. Like I because the world is going to tell them that they're ugly and worthless. And society is going to tell them that they they offer nothing, you know, that they can bring nothing to the table. But when you have that confidence in yourself, you can go out into the world and speak that over other people's lives. And the more that I speak to women, the more I'm like, we are all broken. You know, we are all broken in some aspect. We're all just a broken bunch of people. Seriously. And it's not broken in a bad way. It's not like broken. Oh, like, no, it's just like we all have these wounds and these things that we carry around with us. Yes. That we suppress for a lot, yes. for a lot of us, we suppress. And actually, that's why I made that post yesterday where I'm like, I have so much, some of the oh, most so amazing good. conversations. You need to have more of those posts. It was so good. I was like, oh, this is so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because it's true. And I hear it. like my, my girlfriend, I'm like, oh, I know right now you feel ugly. And I've been there. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I've, I have mm-hmm. felt ugly. I've looked Mm -hmm. at myself and just been like, oh my God, like you're so Mm -hmm. ugly and Mm -hmm. slowly having to Mm -hmm. believe and change my mind, change Mm -hmm. myself, change what I believed about myself until I believe that I am pretty. (laughs) Well, and also identifying the sources of why you feel that way, right? So I felt that way. I felt fat and ugly and stupid all like most of my life, right? And I had to sit down and say, where am I? Where did I learn that? Where did that come from? And once I found that source, then number one, I forgave that person because you got to forgive. But number two is I didn't give that person any space in my life, you know, like, or people, you know, because mm-hmm. it was really a group of people, you know, and being like, okay, you spoke this into my life. You didn't, you weren't malicious in it, 
you didn't mean to to speak that into my life, but you did. I forgive you because I'm not going to live in bitterness because that's going to make me ugly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, But number three is I'm not allowing... I'm not giving you space in my life, you know? And it's not just, sometimes it could be one person, right? But it could be several people, right? And you're just like, I'm just not allowing that anymore in my life because I know what I deserve and I know who I am. And you taught me that I was worthless and I was fat and I was ugly mm-hmm. and I was stupid, you know? And so... It's so interesting but, how as we grow, like in our, like as we grow, we're setting boundaries, Like for me, I set a boundary very similar where I was like, hey, like nobody talks to me like that anymore. Like I don't hear nobody raises their voice at me. Like nobody talks to me in an aggressive tone. I don't hear that at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, no, (laughs) call me back. Call me back when you when this is not the tone, Mm -hmm. which before was a very impossible boundary for me to 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 put out there. Boundaries were very difficult for me. In general, mm-hmm. a period at mm-hmm. work, at home, like saying no was very difficult for me. And now I'm learning. I've learned how to say no. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm having to learn how to say no for to protect my peace. <laughs> right. And and what you're doing is you're teaching your kids. You know, we're teaching our kids how to behave. We're teaching our kids how to respond. We're teaching our kids when we be, when we act like this, you know. And so, you know, you're you're changing generations by not allowing people to walk all over you. You know, you're cha- like that's what you're literally doing. You're changing generations ahead of you because of how we respond. Thank you, Kylie. I I do forget <laughs> th- I do forget about that sometimes because you're right. One of the things that I didn't realize but I've realized now was that even though my parents were very loving and caring and I never I never needed anything. I've had everything I've ever needed my whole life. I don't think I was hugged enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, most of our hurts and brokenness come from our family. It's come from our parents. Like, yeah. I told my mom, like, mom, did you not hug me? Like, she was always yeah. at work. And, you know, for me. You must have been a child of the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I was a 90s kid. Like, my mom, my parents were at work. I was at yeah. home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And that's, you know, and that's, that was me too. Right. And so that was part of that's part of feeling rejected, even when you can't identify that you were rejected. So it took me until I was 40 to understand that my problem was that I felt rejected by them. And they didn't mean to reject me, right? But they prioritize other things instead mm-hmm. of me. And that, and that inadvertently made me feel rejected. And then feeling that rejection, but I wasn't able ever to identify that rejection. That's where my self-esteem suffered. That's where I felt unworthy, you know, little things like that, which does scare you as a parent now because you're like, because you're like, oh, my, oh my God, gosh. I'm going to screw up my kids. <laughs> I'm going to screw up my kids, right? <laughs> but once I realized that, like, you know, I just identified, I was like, wow, I felt rejected because of what my, my parents did A, B and C, you know, like you, yeah, you were never hugged. Your parents were working, you know, that's probably feeling rejected, right? Probably, yeah. And so once I identify that word, that word, I, I tell you at 40, that word changed my life. It completely changed my life and it changed every relationship that I've ever had because I recognized that I was, I felt rejected from previous relationships and then I brought rejection into all my other future relationships. And so once I recognize that I don't have to feel rejected, you know, I don't have to feel this way. Most people who rejected me didn't mean to reject me. You know, 
then I was healed of that. And I was able to move forward. Wow. And that's amazing because now you're more, more like for your kids, you're, you're aware of that and you will try not to do that to your children. Yeah. Because I found myself rejecting one of my kids and that scared the crap out of me because it's cyclical, right? You're like, when I look back at my family and I look at the generations of my family, I'm like, wow, I felt rejected. And then it goes back. I, I thought about my family history and it went back four generations wow. of, of, of rejection. And I was like, that is why, you know, they don't have self-esteem. It's because they were rejected, you know? And it like I, like I want to point out, it wasn't malicious. It wasn't like a malicious rejection, you know? They weren't like, you suck, you know? No. I, they just never made you important. They never made you a priority, you know? And so once I realized that rejection changes everything and then it was like, it can be, it could be passed down. That's, and I, and then I noticed doing that to one of my children. And I noticed I was doing it to my husband too, just because I was taught that. I was like doing what I was taught, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. know I was doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm dealing with and that just, too. Learning. It just changed life. everything. It changed everything. It changed every relationship, you know, it didn't mean that they, apologize because they sure as heck did not apologize. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> I was, I was amazing. What are you talking about? I'm like, well, I don't know about that. That's you know? such a thing though. <laughs> like the, I've talked to my, I've talked to my parents or to my mom where I'm like, Oh, well, you know, you did this and this wasn't right, mom. And she's like, Oh, well, I did my best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they don't care. I was like, I was actually in this Bible study and they were like, What did, how did your parents respond when you were struggling with something? I was like, My parents didn't care. I mean, like, my parents were just like, Suck it up, Buttercup. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, you know, Come on now. Like, you know, they just kind of brush it off, you know, they're like, yeah, do the best I could. Oh, well, move on. Yeah, it's so funny. (laughs) It's so funny now to be like, yeah, this is this is why, mom. This is why. Yeah. And they're like, "Eh, suck it up, buttercup. I don't care. I I did my best. I did my best. I did my best. (laughs) Move on. Oh, but don't don't with my kids. She's a completely different mother. Well, I mean, my mom's so great. Oh, I know. I know. The thing is. For me, I'm like, I can't even complain because my parents are so great. And this is all stuff that happened when I was a kid. Like, yeah, I know. I'm telling you, we live with our childhood trauma for years. Forever, forever. So, Kylie, it's always so great to talk to you. I'm so happy to have you on. And, you know, this is the, the first of many. Oh, yeah. I have a million topics to talk about for nutrition. So, believe me. Let's do it. Reach out, reach (laughs) out, and, and we can do it. It'll be great. My girls love it. I know if you're listening to this episode and you love this type of content, send us a DM. Tell us. This is what I like because I think this is what you like. Oh, yeah. I he- and I hear it. too. Like I tell all my girls, like, listen, like DM me any questions. You know, sometimes people are so silent on my lives. And I'm like, will you guys please, you know, ask me any question? No question is stupid. But you, you know? know what, Kylie? A lot of times it's not that they want to ask questions. They just want information. Like they're just ready to absorb as much information while Good they to prepare know. to get for surgery. Just like to have in their mental Rolodex of like, oh, I learned about this. You know, okay. it's kind of like overload. At least for me, when I watch lives, I'm just listening. Like I'm okay. I'm listening. Yeah. So I'm not going to take it personal when people Don't never take ask it me personal. Questions. No, if okay. they're watching, if they're, if you see that they're watching, they're just absorbing, absorbing. the information. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll see you guys next week.
Always a pleasure. Thanks, Mavi. I appreciate it. Okay, so now we heard everything from Kylie, what we need to do to prepare for surgery and how important nutrition is during your recovery and before your recovery, how we set ourselves up for success. Kylie, I'm so happy to have had you on the show today. I want to remind our girls too, if you are on your plastic surgery journey and you have no idea where to start, if you're like, oh my God, I want to have a tummy tuck so bad, or I want to have a mommy makeover so bad, but I don't know where to go. Or I want to have a BBL. And this is the one that I really want to talk to you guys about because you can say, I want to get a BBL so bad. I want to find a doctor. And you could end up somewhere where they do not do BBLs properly or they do not do BBLs the right way, but they say they do BBLs. And that is when I see a lot of unhappy patients with fat transfers that don't stick or they go into BBL surgery and they're like, oh, my God, my doctor's going to, you know, snatch me up. And then they come out of surgery and the doctor's like, oh, I put you know, 600 cc's per butt cheek or, you know, 300 per butt cheek and you're disappointed. You're like, what the freak? I was expecting 1500 cc's per butt cheek or a thousand cc's per butt cheek. So not all of them do it like that. It's very specific surgeons who do it like that. So I want you guys to avoid the heartache of going to a doctor who will not give you the results that you're looking for. And I'm not saying that the results that they give are bad. They have beautiful surgery. They have beautiful results. But when you're looking for a BBL specifically, a BBL specifically, you cannot just go to anybody. You have to go to somebody who actually does BBLs day in, day out, does a lot of them. You have pictures, not just from on the operating table, but, you know, six months later. And y'all know I got those doctors on my list. So if you are needing help, do not hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram, on my website, www.bigbuttsnolies.com. I love you guys. This is it for me. I love getting your messages on Instagram telling me like I got one yesterday and she told me that my podcast helped her not feel shallow and not feel like she's being vain for wanting to get a tummy tuck. And I'm so happy. That makes me so happy because no, girl, you're not vain. Do it. Do it. We as moms or myself as a mom and a lot of my patients, a lot of my girls as moms, we always put ourselves last. We're always last in line. And this is me telling you it's time to put yourself at the top of the list because the better you are, the happier you are, the happier your family is, the happier your kids are, the happier you are at work the more successful you can be. And it doesn't mean you have to have surgery. I mean, invest in yourself, in your mental health, in your nutrition, in your body, in your skincare, in your education, in your experiences. Spend your money on you instead of on things. Don't buy. Do you really need a $1,500 purse or should you spend that money and learn something? Take a course or invest on some skin tightening treatment that will rewind 10 years off the clock, you know, start investing in you wisely. Spend your money wisely. You don't have to have a ton of money, but the money that you do have, spend it. Be smart. Be a smart consumer. And that was it. That was the end of my rant. I love you guys and I will see y'all next week. If you enjoyed this episode, please go on Apple. Write me a review. It's the best way for other women who are just like you, who need help, 
who are looking for information, valuable information on the internet, this is how they're going to find it. So go on Apple, give me a five star review if you love this podcast. If you want to support the podcast, the best way to support the podcast is through the website. If you need help through your journey, if you need help finding a surgeon, if you want to join the membership, if you're looking for bruise juice, you guys don't sleep on bruise juice. Y'all know I have my Bruise Juice 30 coupon code for y'all to use if you're having a BBL, if you're having liposuction, if you're having a tummy tuck, if you need to be using Bruise Juice all over your body. Stop using those other brands that are not tailored for your post-op recovery. Bruise Juice is formulated for your recovery. It's amazing. It nourishes your skin. It helps your fat transfer live don't sleep on bruise juice bruise juice 30 is the code and don't forget new episodes every monday i'll see you then